Okay, so we are live. Welcome to the first real episode of the Know Your Physio show. I'm your host, Andres Prichel, and I cannot believe that we're finally here making this happen. This has been such a journey. I would say that it's about time, but as I've learned, good things take time, and I like to do things right. And so before we begin, I want to give a shout out to all the incredible people that have been involved in this process have helped me do it right. Thank you to Riley and the Podigy team. I am so inspired by the nature of your work, and I'm looking forward to so much more work together in the future. Thank you to Jack Roisendahl for the beautiful graphic design. Thank you so much to my editor, Marcus Pinto. Thank you for my team at Skelto, especially Gabby, for being such an incredible, incredible mentor. Thank you to my brother, Alejandro Prichel, an incredibly talented and passionate musician and producer who helped me with the music for the show, the intro, the outros. And thanks for being my biggest fan. I love you so much. And thank you to all my supporters and followers online who have pushed me to make this happen, who have uh, really, you know, just been there for me uh, all these years and have appreciated my content, expressed their gratitude. This is all for you guys. I want to bring you as much value as possible. To everyone else that has been involved, either directly or indirectly, everyone that's helped me turn this dream into a reality. Also, huge shout out to the seven guests that I've had on the show so far who had the courage to come on with zero points of reference because this is in fact the first episode that's going live. Although it is not the first episode that I recorded, but I am inspired to publish it first because I believe it is such a great representation of what to expect in future episodes. And I had the pleasure of hosting a great friend of mine on this one. Uh, her name is Jessie Inchauspe. She's known as the Glucose Goddess Online. And today we're going to be talking about how to fix your glucose to fix your life, how to flatten your glucose curves to improve your quality of life and increase your lifespan. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. I hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, so we're live. I'm here with Jesse, aka Glucose Goddess, aka Sugar Mama. <laughs> That's your email, right? It's jessiesugarmama.com. Uh-huh. Awesome. So Jesse is a content creator on Instagram. She takes a very scientific, you know, science-based, healthy approach to lifestyle, to disease prevention. I'm very impressed by her content, her material, and not just what she shares, but how she shares and how she shares it through her own experience her own tests. And uh, it makes the science very, very fun and very engaging. And, and I really look up to her as a content creator. So uh, through her personal experience, backed with the most up-to-date scientific evidence, she tells the story of blood glucose and highlights its efficacy as an overall health performance, disease prevention, and longevity metric. And I'm very impressed by her ability to do so. And so Jesse, welcome to the show. This is the Know Your Physio show. Thank you so um, much for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. Awesome. And this is all about, you know, Know Your Physio is all about understanding your physiology, getting a deeper look into your body and being able to make decisions accordingly. So I know that one thing that you're very big on is that everyone should be, what is it, like a, a science-based civilian, something like that. A like citizen a, scientist. A citizen scientist. There you go. Yes. Wonderful. And, and you know yeah. what that means? I mean, in essence, it means that scientific knowledge should not be just confined to papers and people who know how to read papers. Yep. I think each of us can experiment on our own bodies. We can experiment in our lives. We can do our own science and we should also be able to access existing science. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do. 
That is wonderful because the content that we make is a little different, but I think that we have that same intention. And, and actually, my next question was going to be like, I wanted to know about your why and like why you do all the yeah. things you do. But I just want to say that I'm also all about making that material more accessible. And by accessible, I don't just mean that people can go out and grab it and read it and get it, but more as in like, they can do that, but that they can also understand it. So like, I think, I think you and I are sort of like, like mediums. And like, I always, mm. I always think back to that. Uh, it's actually a Dr. Seuss movie. The one with the trees. You know what I'm talking about? I think yeah, the I Lorax, do. The Lorax. Uh-huh. The Lorax says, I speak for the trees. It's like, we speak yeah. for the science. Like the science is really cool. And all this new science yeah, is coming yes. out. The thing is, it's confined to these communities, not because that's the way it works. And that's how they generate income. And that's how they get the funding. But it's, it's because how is the rest of the world supposed to make sense of it? And it's like, we speak for the science almost. And like, we're like a medium so that it's more accessible. Yeah, like translators. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. we'd like to translate and accommodate that research. And I think that what's science without the application and without... Oh God, I mean, I couldn't agree more. There's so much amazing stuff out there. I mean, I'm currently doing a really deep dive into glucose research for a reason that I cannot reveal yet, but it's a very exciting reason. And yesterday I was reading about how does our body actually sense glucose levels? Like what is the mechanism? What is the biochemical mechanism? Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of different ways that we do this. But for example, one of the things I found out that's so cool is that the same sweet taste receptors we have in our tongue, we also have in our pancreas and in our brain. So our neurons literally sense, like taste the fluid around them to sense how high glucose is. All of these cool things are in scientific papers and they've been out for decades, but nobody's talking about them. So I think you wow. and I kind of do that. We take science and we show it to people because it's so fun. It takes a like specific breed of brain to be able to bridge that gap, I think. Oh, absolutely. And there's a whole, that's a whole another conversation. I don't want to go too far into the rabbit hole, but sure. you know, the conversation of who's credible enough to then take that information and accommodate it. Yeah. Um, I know that you and I are always seeking to enhance our credibility, to learn more. We're always learning and, and you know, exposing ourselves, kind of grab more of that science to accommodate it. it's a big it. responsibility. Exactly. So yeah. I totally agree. And, and I think it's really interesting what you said about the receptors for glucose. Mm. Because one thing, actually, there's a scientific paper. I forget what year it's from and where it was published exactly, but I'll put it in the show notes. But it's actually <laughs> talking about how just the taste of carbohydrate can give you energy because you have these receptors in your mouth. And so like, one strategy that you can use as like maybe like an endurance athlete, you know, you don't want to be ingesting liquids as you're going so much, but just to taste like swishing around some carbs in your mouth. That's so cool. Receptors yeah, and give your, yeah. And give your body the impression. It, it tells your body, Hey, we're receiving energy. So it gives you a boost of energy because you understand that you're about to receive more. Uh, so, so are we saying that we could just like chew cake and then spit it out and feel energized? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how that's so. Should we start a new trend? <laughs> <laughs> we can, but my mom would kill me because she's a dentist and she knew that the pH difference in cavities would be just you know, what's the trade off there. But uh, that's funny. cool. That'd be, that'd be a cool trend. You know, I know that like um, the uh, like Roman emperors and all these people back in the past, they would just like eat all this incredible food and then they'd spit it out. They'd throw it up, right? Yeah, they, yeah something like that. They, would, yeah. like, they wouldn't eat it because it could be poisoned or something, but they wanted to, I don't know, something like that. But anyway, so the first thing that I want to dive into is before we get into the glucose stuff, why do you do what you do? I really love this question. It's a very humbling and kind of emotional question, I think. As it should be. I hate to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. I love it. Thank you so much for asking this. Honestly, at its core, I do what I do because people ask me to. Like this whole journey of creating the Instagram and making all this content, I didn't one day wake up and decide, oh, I'm going to do this. It was 
a hundred small steps of trying stuff out, getting people around me asking me to do more and more and more, then becoming a little bit too busy and I had to automate some parts of it. So I built an app and then I put them on Instagram and people on Instagram would message me and say, hey, this is amazing. Can you test this now? Can you test this other thing? And I just kept doing it. So was I it all like related to service. glucose or was it like overall health? Yeah, it was all glucose. But I feel like I'm at the service of people who need me to do this. And so I, I do it because people ask me to. And I also do it because I feel like if I didn't do it, I don't think anybody else would do what I specifically do. So it's almost like a mission, you know? Yeah. Like I found a little niche in the universe that I can, awesome. that I can serve. My friend Billy, whom I dearly love, he said to me one day, he said, Jesse, ideas choose humans. Like ideas are floating around in the stratosphere and they're like, huh, this is a human that is going to be able to turn me into a reality. And it's almost, it's kind of the feeling of this idea sort of crept up in my life slowly, slowly, slowly and chose me because I could birth it in a cool way. Wow. That is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I actually read this, I read this book recently. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics. It's a very, very old book, but it talks about the self-image and how to basically change your self-image and put you in a position where you're more in charge of who you are, your personality, and you can you know, achieve goals and whatever and all that stuff. But one thing that it says in the book is that ideas are in the air. Anyone can have any idea. And it's, it's, yeah. it's sort of like, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to act? And if you feel inside you that you need to fulfill some kind of purpose, and the idea is there, like it's boom, you know, you've, now you have a community, mm -hmm. you have people that look for, like, I look forward to your content so much. I love the content. I put it on my story because I genuinely think more people should see your content. I think it's That's awesome. Super awesome to hear. Again, a lot of these people that are tuning in right now, I just want to say they haven't seen your content. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say that Jesse, what she does is she has a, a blood and correct me if I'm wrong, somewhere about the process. Totally. Jesse has a blood glucose monitor that she puts yeah. on her body. Right here under my sweater. On her, on her arm. Hold on, let me, let me there, undress there. on live television. There you go. <laughs> and it essentially measures her body's response to the food that she eats with blood glucose. So there's, you know, like yeah. glycemia and, what, and whatnot. Could you give us a brief definition of glycemia, glycemic index, and maybe blood yeah. glucose? I mean, a really simple way to think about all of these terms is that by looking at the sugar levels in my blood, I'm able to see if a food I just ate is good for me or bad for me, pretty much. So I get information from the inside. I can see on my phone, because this little device sends data to my phone, I can see on my phone the little inside of my body. And all of a sudden, my body's communicating with me and it's saying, hey, Jesse, this cookie you just ate, not so good. However, that cake you had yesterday, way better choice if you want to have dessert. <laughs> so I get all this cool information about how to eat to keep myself healthy. And from a scientific standpoint, we know that the flatter our glucose curves are, the healthier we're going to be physically and from a you know, mind perspective. So mind better, better mood. Yeah, better mood, longevity, disease prevention. I mean, there's so many things. Glucose levels affect almost every single part of us. And you can separate out these many, many things into two categories, the sexy short-term ones and the long-term prevention ones. So by flattening your glucose curves, in the short term, you're going to get a lot of really amazing benefits like instantly. Your mood will be better. You'll sleep better, have fewer cravings, less like big hunger spikes. Uh, your acne can clear up. Like all of these really short-term stuff, you can lose weight easier, et cetera. And then also by keeping your glucose curves flat, you're going to help prevent the onset of diseases like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and a whole host of other chronic things that you would rather not get. Wow. Wonderfully yeah. said. And you know, I think that nowadays, 
because I'm very big on understanding the role of like our ancestral evolution essentially today and, and that ancestral wisdom, right? I think that the reason why we should be tracking nowadays is because like processed food is so readily available. We're very inactive. We don't have to work for food. It's, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. It's super cheap. And so now we sort of have to be conscious of something like this because previously, like for the, the vast majority of human evolution, 99.999% of who and what we are as a species, there was no such thing as processed carbohydrate. There was no such thing as just having food available. We had to go out and look for it, you know, contracting mm-hmm. muscle fiber, increasing insulin sensitivity, meaning we could afford a higher glycemic index if we found one because in nature, we know that carbohydrate is attached to fiber and that therefore... Yeah we absorb it more slowly. It's not like yeah. nowadays you eat not a, juice. a cracker or a juice or yeah. a cake and boom, you see a spike in insulin, spike in blood glucose yeah. and acne because your body isn't designed to handle something so processed, something totally. so, so glycemic. Okay, there's a side of this whole thing that is a little bit sad, which is that nowadays we, we need devices like this to understand how we need to eat because we've lost touch so much with what our body needs and what is really nourishing versus what is harming us. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's a bit sad that we've lost touch so much, but it's amazing that we have this tech and this science now to help us get back on track. Absolutely. And is there a specific device that you use, a specific app? So there are a few big uh, manufacturers of these glucose monitors. And the one I use is the one by Abbott. And so I get mine in Paris where they're over the counter, but in the US you need a prescription to get them. So... Oh. But things are going to change. Things are already changing. And just stay tuned on my Instagram and there'll be a, there'll be a way to get them in the US at wow. some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be involved in that somehow? Well, you'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. And you know, it's funny because I feel like the US of every country in the world is probably the country that needs it the most. People need to see how mm-hmm. these foods are affecting them because the incidence of disease, of chronic diseases here in the US that are so easily preventable. Like think about it, you know, I mean, you know, type 2 diabetes, uh, the epidemia, cardiometabolic syndrome, all of these diseases, these comorbidities that often exist together, they're so highly preventable. And if you pay more attention to your blood glucose, you know, to give you so much of a better, uh, you'd be in a better position to prevent them. Yes, I completely agree with you. They are highly preventable, but also there are massive industries that are doing everything they can so that you don't prevent them. You know, no, the no, food abs- industry. That's, and that's it's why not we easy. Don't yeah. It's not like psychologically easy, you know, because as you said, exactly, food is so easily available. It's hyper sugary, hyper fiberless. It's everywhere. It's cheap. So I wouldn't say it's easy. I would say it's simple, but simple is not easy. Completely, completely agree with you there. Because a lot of people are just lost. You know, they have a lot of money for food. The cheap food is the stuff that's bad for them. And they don't really know how to eat because on the packages, on the cereal packages, it's like heart healthy or, you know, good for you. We'll help you lose weight. There's all these lies and misleading tricks that are used by marketers everywhere that it's really easy to get confused. So no. I have a lot of compassion for people who don't yet know how to get themselves out of this treadmill they're on that's going to end up with chronic disease based on their diet. Absolutely. I think that the, the truth of the matter is that, that healthy eating in the US is a privilege. You know, there's like food mm-hmm. deserts. People don't have that access. And people, honestly, a lot of people, I think the majority of people have good intentions with what they eat and how they live their lives. Yes. But it's, they're so easily misled. And on yes. top of that, you know, it's just a lot of people also just don't see how it's an investment to eat well. Again, it's a privilege to eat well. Mm-hmm. But some people are just so turned off by the fact they think that it's, it's so expensive. The truth it's is that it's just... Expensive, it's time-consuming too, you know? 
because food is so complicated and there are so many barriers to eating healthy and understanding why it's useful, I think messages of prevention often fall in deaf ears, you know, like eat better so you prevent diabetes or eat better so your heart is healthier. I think the content that I make makes prevention more tangible. You know, if you can see real data from your glucose levels and you can see that small changes in what you eat can have such a profound impact immediately on the inside of your body, it's a whole different ballgame. All of a sudden, it's convincing and it's motivating. And that's what I've seen. You know, that's what my friends and family at first told me. And now over 33,000 people on Instagram tell me. Wow. So we actually, I never got to, to, to tell you this. And honestly, a lot of people that follow me don't know that I do this. But for my company, what we do is we actually set people up with all kinds of wearable devices that track everything from heart rate variability to oxygen saturation, to steps, to calories, to intensities and heart rate zones, all that. We have a, a, like a, a platform for lifestyle data analytics called HealthSnap. Mm-hmm. And we take all of this data that's being generated automatically as long as people are wearing their devices. We can combine it with previous medical history and with all kinds of uh, questionnaires. So we get you know really in-depth insights about their nutrition, what it's like on a daily, weekly basis, fitness, memory, stress, all this stuff. And then we do remote patient monitoring. And so we, we have our own protocols for my company. It's, it's called Hambre Hormonas. It's in Spanish, mm-hmm. hunger and hormones. And so we test the efficacy of our recommendations and of our protocols or program with this platform and these devices. And actually one thing that we can track, we do have the option to track blood glucose. Nice. Uh, we don't have these devices set up, but we're looking forward to implementing this in the future just to get a more complete scope of this people's physiology. And I do That's agree so cool. with you that when people can see this data, they feel so much more in charge because I, I, I'm so against the numbers on the scale and the weight and all that. And also weight changes so slowly. I mean, it's not motivating yeah. at all. The feedback yeah. loop is way too long and it's, it can be misleading because you can put on weight and be healthier and look better and have more muscle. I mean, it's just, it's outdated, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think and one thing that I actually shared a couple of weeks ago on, on Instagram was I talked a little bit about how you may have the best intentions for health right? But if you make changes that are too extreme and too sudden, your body has a certain homeostasis. And a lot of these diseases, they're chronic diseases. So they they develop very slowly over a long period of time. And Mm -hmm. when you get to the point where it's really frustrating, you know, where a doctor tells you, hey, you need to do this, you need to change, you need to do that, or else this is going to happen or whatever. Now you're desperate, right? And and people tend to take extreme approaches. They want to lose as much weight as possible. They want to take as many inches off their waist as possible, but they still have this homeostasis, this balance that even though it's not a healthy balance, it's still a balance. And anything that's too sudden or too extreme, their body will fight against it. And we can see that with levels of cortisol, your, your heart rate variability, which is a measure of bagel tone and stress resilience, all kinds of changes in your gut microbiome, all kinds of changes in your, in your mitochondria. And your body sets off all these alarm and your hunger hormones and ghrelin, leptin, CZK, insulin, AGRP, mm-hmm. cortisol. You see these alarms and your body starts to fight back. And so I, that's why I don't like to look at the, the number on the scale because it has to be very, very slow. You know, when people see these dramatic changes on the scale. That's alarming to me. It's bad. I don't like that. Slow hmm. and steady so your body can adjust that homeostasis. And I think that, you know, stable blood glucose is definitely something that fits into the equation. It's just so important. To that same point, I'm not a proponent of any extreme diets. Like I was vegan. It was awful. I was depressed and I had really bad skin, but also as a vegan, I ate Oreos and pasta. So I was not a good vegan. (laughs) And I was a keto, but I was a bad keto. I just actually gained weight on keto. My period stopped. Like it was a whole bag of cats. But anything extreme, as you're saying, is 
A, it's not sustainable and two, it might not be super good for us. You know, nutrition can create such divide. People get into camps. I think, as you say, like small, steady changes accompanied with actually understanding what's going on inside of your body is how you end up with long-term change and feeling better. Yeah. And going back to the, I like that you said that about the camps, because people tend to start to identify with their nutrition. The truth of the matter is that definitely, no doubt, different diets work for different people. You should do your research. You should know where to look. You should take a, you know, that approach and, and learn about your body. There's all kinds of food sensitivity tests, all kinds of gut microbiome and stool panels, all that stuff, genetic tests that you can do. But I think that generally speaking, there are so many fundamentals, so many things that are really should be held constant between human beings, because as different as we may be with our gut microbiomes and our genetics, really, we're all human and we have so much of that ancestry in common. It's everything. Honestly, so, I just cut out the sugar. Like that's the first out, thing. And it's true out. for all of these extreme diets. None of them are like, keep no, eating refined carbs. I always tell people like, eat whole foods. Like yeah. that's all that our body knows is whole food. Like the process of mm-hmm. digesting, of chewing, of breaking things up on its own. When things are processed, like there's no such thing as a processed carbohydrate in, in nature. Like the closest thing you could get then it's not even processes, is like honey, right? There's no, the only example or, or a very, one of the very, very few examples of glucose without some kind of fiber attached to it is honey. But can you imagine humans back then fighting off some bees for honey? It wouldn't happen. <laughs> It'd be so, very rare. Yeah. And, and, and storm came, happened. killed all the bees and then the honey. All the bees and then you got their honey. <laughs> <laughs> you stole the bees' honey during the storm. But I think people should consider this because just a whole food diet right there, you'd have to identify as keto. You don't have to be vegan. People have different intentions with what they do in their diets. But I think that in common, what we should have in common is whole food, which means mm-hmm. none of that sugar, none of that crap, just yeah. whole satiating foods. With because then, for example, when you're vegan, you know, you go to the supermarket and all of these companies are trying to sell you vegan cookies and vegan processed stuff. And because you're vegan, you're like, oh, this is good for me. Because I it's identify vegan with those package. foods and yeah. with their mission and their marketing. And it's all BS. It's still extremely processed. Like, I don't like to talk bad about anyone or anything, but beyond meat, you know, it's beyond me. Like it's, it's the second ingredient is expeller pressed canola oil, extremely mm-hmm. high in omega-6, it's inflammatory, doesn't make sense. I think they're trying to solve a different issue. Absolutely. They're extremely sustainable. That is awesome. And, and the truth is that there are so many benefits that we can derive as a species in the world by mm-hmm. eating sustainably. But I think that you can achieve a sustainable diet and a sustainable lifestyle without having to consume processed foods. Yeah. But Beyond Meat is really interesting. I'm sure one of the reasons they had this oral is because their primary objective was how do we make something that's plant-based but still tastes like meat, right? right. So like if we assess them against their objective, I think they're doing pretty well. In right. terms of making something super healthy, I'm not sure. But in terms of making something that feels like meat but isn't meat, I think they're pretty damn good at it. Yeah, absolutely. Give them some credit there. That, well, give them all the credit. Have there. you tried it? I have. It tastes like meat. You know, it's, I know, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it is. Awesome. And there's actually a lot of like farmers markets here, local ones that have great plant-based, you know, burgers that are really delicious. So the next question I wanted to ask you was we've talked a lot about like why you should measure your your blood glucose. I wanted to ask you, who do you think needs to monitor their blood glucose? Does everybody need to monitor it? Yes. Yeah? Can yes. you tell me a little more about, about why you <laughs> yes. I think every person who eats and has a body should know how their glucose works. Put a period at the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and would you happen to have maybe some general recommendations beyond the, the, the whole food and limiting sugar, just general recommendations for a stable blood glucose? For example, some things that I'm aware of maybe that you can elaborate on are 
apple cider vinegar before a meal, mm-hmm. walking after you eat, uh, mm-hmm. fasting regimens, doing exercise, consuming high amounts of protein and fiber and choosing them first on your mm-hmm. plate before the carbs, mm-hmm. even cold exposure. So can well, you, talk- you know everything. Is that everything? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more, but yes, all of those. But very simply, I think I'm trying to boil down like the top three things to keep in mind that are simple to apply. So my number one thing would be never have carbs naked. And by that, I mean, if you're going to eat sugar or if you're going to eat starches, so anything that's flour-based or rice or potatoes, all of these things turn into glucose. If you have them on their own, so if you have a piece of bread on its own, if you have a dessert on its own, on an empty stomach, the speed at which the glucose is going to enter your bloodstream is going to be really high because your stomach is empty. So it's ready to receive anything you give it. As soon as the sugar or the starch gets there, boom, big glucose spike. And the big glucose spikes is what you want to avoid. You want to avoid this sort of roller coaster throughout the day. So never eat carbs naked. And if you're going to have bread, have it with a little bit of fat. For example, you know, a little bit of butter or some avocado, a piece of cheese. If you're going to have a piece of cake or a cookie, similarly, you can add some fiber. You can have like five almonds before. I like my sweets and my desserts with full fat Greek yogurt. So you want to balance out the carbs and never have them alone. That would be my number one thing for people to keep in mind. Because if you have the carbs alone, it's going to lead to a big spike, then a big drop. And while you're in that drop zone, you're going to crave more sugar. And that's really the roller coaster you want to get off. Right. It's not about about consuming calories. It's also that inevitable blood glucose response that gives your body the impression that it needs more to stabilize. Exactly. So one of the worst things you can do, and actually my best friend texted me today and he was like, Jesse, I need to change my breakfast because I had a brownie for breakfast this morning and I felt terrible, all this stuff. And I was like, Gab, come on, dude, you know better. So the worst thing you can do is start your day off with naked carbs, with brownie or a piece of bread or I'm French, but you know, a croissant or a pain chocolat is like not the way to go because you're going to start at eight in the morning with a massive spike, a massive drop. By 11 a.m., you're going to be craving something else that's sweet. You're going to go back up and back down. And all day, you're just going to be, you know, jumping from carb-rich, sugar-rich food to the next. And what are the symptoms? Like, I know, for example, brain fog, irritability. uh, What else? Is there anything like immediate that you would feel? You would sleep more poorly that day, for sure. You'd have a harder time concentrating. And then the next day, you might see things like a new pimple on your face. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might gain weight you might just feel like generally your energy levels are not where they're supposed to be. And then over time, I mean, obviously you can develop problems and serious health complications if your glucose is a roller coaster all day, every day for a while. And that's interesting that you said that your energy isn't going to be where it's supposed to be because people would think like, oh, carbs are what we use most efficiently to generate ATP. It's a very efficient fuel source, but Mm -hmm. it's the type of carbs you consume and how you consume them that then gives you the actual energy and that feeling of, of being energized. Because although it is energy, the blood glucose response can make you feel extremely weak and lethargic. And so yeah. it's up to us to choose the right energy sources at the right time. Totally, because a big spike, I mean, yeah, you'll feel super high. You'll have a sugar high like a kid, right? You'll feel really energized. You'll feel like you can do anything. And then as the drop comes, all of a sudden you're tired and your motivation's gone and you feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Personally, I feel way better when my glucose is steady all day. My mind is clear. I'm not craving anything. I have energy until 8 p.m. No problem. I don't need coffee. With stable blood sugar levels, my energy quality is much better. So I usually, um, I don't know if you're a fan of intermittent fasting. So I typically fast 14 to 16 hours every single day. But I actually took a different protocol today because I 
I like to think that I have a very good sense of like physiological awareness. Mm. Like I understand like sort of what, like where my body's at. And honestly, the only reason why I use a scale in the morning and every day is because I know my body weight is very, very stable. I have very high insulin sensitivity, but also leptin sensitivity. I know that my body weight is very stable. And so when I see drops in my body weight, I know that it's more so related to glycogen store saturation. So how much glucose I have stored away my muscle because every gram, you have 500 grams. Every gram is associated with three and a half grams of water. So I know that it's like water weight and, and glycogen. So like, for example, past three days, I did really heavy lifting one day. The next day I went spear fishing. So I basically swam and dove for eight hours. That's awesome. Uh, and the next day I did more lifting. And so this morning when I woke up, I felt very, very light. I was like four pounds you know, lighter than, than usual. Mm. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm about to go for a 10,000 step walk. I don't want to be so like glycogen depleted. And another cool fact for people tuning in is like, there's actually an inverse relationship between your glycogen store saturation and your insulin sensitivity. So when you have very, very low glycogen, when you spend all the stored carbohydrate, you're more insulin sensitive. So this morning I told myself, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up. I woke up around 7am, a little later for me than usual, but I woke up at seven. At eight, I had some carbs, but before I had some protein, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get those uh, glycogen stores back to where they were. I went for my walk, so I was able to absorb all of this, make good use of it, you know, stabilize my blood glucose. Two hours before this meeting with you, I had pure fat and protein. I had mm-hmm. eggs and avocado because I wanted to be good. And then before our meeting, a half an hour before, I took a cold shower. And now my mental clarity is nice. like, boom. So Nice. I love that. Yeah. So I think it's cool that we can make these decisions. And mm-hmm. although everything I just described sounds like scientific, the truth is it's pretty simple steps that you can take. And with these devices and measuring where your physiology is at, you can make these and feel good about them and then track them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so with that, I sort of want to transition to maybe your own approach beyond what you eat. Yeah. What else do you do in your lifestyle to uh, live well, be healthy? I don't see carbs and sugar as like evil per se. I think it's all about how you include it in your lifestyle in a way that doesn't hurt your body very much. So as you said, you know, you had carbs because you were going on a big run, a big walk. And I feel that way too. I feel like in my lifestyle, because I work out and because I kind of understand how my glucose levels work, I'm actually able to eat quite a fair amount of carbs. Like yesterday I had a huge bowl of pasta because I love pasta. And I want to show you because the way I did it was really cool. And I was able to keep my glucose completely flat, even though I had like 300 grams of pasta. So what I did, wow. yeah, um, this is the whole day. So my whole day was super flat and beautiful. Wow. Um, so what I did is I had a little bit of cabbage, two soft boiled eggs, and then 30 minutes later, I had a huge bowl of pasta, but we're talking like massive, massive. Also, I was in a terrible mood yesterday, so I really needed pasta. <laughs> 45 minutes after I have the pasta, I get on my bike. Uh, I have an indoor bike and I do 30 minutes of intervals and arms on Peloton with Robin. She's my favorite instructor. Because of these two things that sandwiched the huge bowl of pasta, my glucose did not move. So what did I do? First of all, I didn't have naked carbs. So I had salad, fiber, and eggs, protein first, so that when the carbs hit my stomach, they were tapered by the stuff already in my stomach. And then I got on the bike so that as soon as the carbs were starting to hit my bloodstream, my muscles what needed the sugar so mm-hmm. the sugar straight went into my muscles, didn't lead to a big spike. And it was, it was amazing. I was so proud of myself. Wow. You know, that's, <laughs> that's actually, it's cool because the other, I mean, yesterday I came up with this analogy. I was inspired by, you know, I was looking forward to this podcast with you. And I was like, I need to come up with an analogy to describe the following scientific process. Like I always say that 
you should try and match your carb intake to your activity level. Like the more active yeah. you are, the yeah. more carbs. Like when I take a rest day, for example, I'm almost like on a ketogenic diet, like very, yeah. very low carb, high fat diet. But this is the analogy that I came up with and I want your, your take on it because I also, I want to, I, I plan to share it and I figured okay. there's one better to share it with than, than you before I put it up to the masses. But I was thinking like, you can think about this process sort of like people arriving at a train station. Okay. So like the people that arrive at the train station, it, that's the glucose. Okay. Mm-hmm. The trains and the speed at which they go, all that, the trains, I don't know what the name for this is, but the person who basically tells the trains to go and, and open their doors. Conductor? Like, a conductor, okay? okay. The conductor is insulin. The train doors are GLUT4 receptors. Insulin mm-hmm. triggers GLUT4. They open up, and that's how your cells receive the glucose, right? Mm-hmm. So the trains and the train, like each individual cart are your cells. And so you have all these people showing up, right? If you're working out and you have all these cells moving and your muscles are working, you have the trains moving quickly. They can, people can arrive at the station. A lot of people can arrive, and boom, they're on their way to work. They're on their way to travel. They're on their way to see their mm-hmm. family, et cetera. The trains are moving very, very slowly and the conductors aren't really there. You know, they're not, they're just moving slow, but there's a lot, a lot of people show up. What's going to happen? The people are going to be pissed off. You're going to be like, Hey, we need to get mm-hmm. to work. Like, where are the trains? Like what's going on? And the mm-hmm. conductor be like, Hey, what am I going to do? All these people are pissed off. You know, then you see with all these excess carbs, all this excess glucose, all these excess people, you know, it overwhelms Problems develop. Yeah. And, and another cool thing is well, cool because I'm a scientist, but not cool when it actually happens is when you have this buildup, when you have these in your glycogen stores where you store all of this carbohydrate and they become saturated, that excess glucose turns into intramuscular triglycerides. So literally mm-hmm. fat in your muscle cells that then interferes with insulin signaling. So you see this buildup of excess glycogen, now you're less insulin sensitive and it's a mess and it's a mess. Yes. And then it compounds and there's a positive feedback loop and all these disasters happen very slowly over time. Uh, so I measuring- like the analogy. And actually I'm thinking, how can we take it a step further by thinking about the old model versus the new model of type 2 diabetes. So for a long time, people thought type 2 diabetes is a disease that develops when your insulin doesn't work anymore. So when the conductors just like go on strike, they're like, ah, fuck this shit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to, I don't want to do this job anymore. I'm out, you guys. That's yeah. what people used to think that like insulin wasn't working. So what we did is we gave people more insulin. We gave people more conductors. Yeah. But it didn't really work either. So we were confused. Huh, the body is in a state where all these conductors just don't do their job properly anymore. What we know now is that that's not really the case. The conductors are doing their job fine. But the real issue is that the train cars are just full. So no matter how much the conductor is in the screen, the people that are outside the train just cannot get in. Yeah. Like they're trying. They're like, I hear you. There's just no more space. And that's what we know now. And there's an amazing podcast by Peter Tia and Jason Fung where they talk about this new theory. And Jason Fung likens it to suitcases instead of a train. He says diabetes is that. All of your cells are full because there's no more space to put glucose away because you've been eating so much your whole life. Mm -hmm. And so these people that are built up waiting on the sidelines, all this excess glucose is going to stay in your blood and start causing issues. Mm -hmm. So the way to reverse diabetes is to flush all of this glucose out of your system. Fiber using up that glycogen and And eating less of it too. And eating less, yeah. You know, one thing that I do with my patients is we do often uh, recommend a low-carb, high-fat diet, but really the more ketogenic and, and low-carb, high-fat diets are more so for the beginning to sort of... Jumpstart. Yeah, sort of to jumpstart and, and basically kickstart ketosis and, and basically enhance a little bit of that metabolic flexibility early on. And then we get them more on like, once they start exercising, we make that a habit, then we start to implement the carbs again and we teach them about you know, complex carbs about like tubers, for example, and how they're like mm-hmm. ideal for 
because I think what's cool is, again, I'm saying cool because I'm a scientist, but what's interesting is that these starchy carbs, like we often tell people like diabetics to avoid starchy carbs because starchy carbs readily convert to muscle glycogen. They're already complex and, and they exist in a fashion and a form where they very readily become muscle glycogen. And that's what you want to avoid as a diabetic because you have an excess of glycogen, right? But it's actually, that's going to be the ideal carbohydrate to replenish glycogen if you're using up, like if you're exercising. Like mm-hmm. active people, starchy carbs, it's ideal, right? Mm-hmm. And in diabetics, it's very, it's highly unideal. But is there any benefit to people who are trying to reverse diabetes to keep eating carbs? If there's a benefit, I mean, it's not so much like that they can eat carbs. It's more so getting them on track with a healthy lifestyle and not mm-hmm. completely cutting off carbs, but understanding the role of carbs. Mm-hmm. And um, when, again, going back to like matching your activity level with your carbohydrate intake, that's like pretty much ideal. Like for the, like the ideal exercise program for a diabetic, generally speaking, you do want them to do to approach exercise and lift weights and become stronger and, and whatnot and develop muscle. Because one thing about muscle is, you know, contracting muscle stimulates insulin and it uses up something like glycogen. But in addition, being able to preserve your muscle mass and even gaining muscle mass is important for this, for insulin sensitivity, because it allows you to store more carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. There's, there's about 500 grams of glycogen, the stored glucose in your body. 400 grams are in your muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90 grams are in your liver and about 5 to 10 grams are in your blood. If you have a higher capacity to store sugar, that means that you can maintain a higher insulin sensitivity. So mm-hmm. now going back to like taking an extreme approach to lose weight, when you take an extreme approach to lose weight and you disturb homeostasis, you see elevated levels of stress in your body, like elevated levels of cortisol and epinephrine, and that can promote gluconeogenesis or literally converting your muscle mass into sugar because your mm-hmm. body's already deprived and you're at a significant caloric deficit. And this is a problem because now you have a decreased capacity to store sugar and you, you may be losing weight, which is the intention that you have, you're fulfilling that intention but you're decreasing your insulin sensitivity or maintaining a very low insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to why this is important to approach slowly, yes. why it's important to lift weight. And what you're describing, this issue with reducing your capacity to store glycogen is one of the reasons why getting weight back is so easy after yeah. you lose weight drastically. Because then yeah. if you start eating like you used to before, you don't have as much muscle mass. And so you're just going to gain fat all over again. I would even say that you can be unhealthy or even unhealthy because if you lose so much weight dramatically and you lose this muscle and now you reintroduce your previous dietary habits, even less capacity to store sugar than before. So mm-hmm. now more intramuscular triglyceride, more visceral adipose tissue, more of this inflammation in the body, chronic inflammation that sets the stage for more diseases. So it's it's complete disaster. And that's Gosh, this has gotten so grim. Yeah, it's gotten so grim. Let's let's lighten this back up. Let's lighten this back up. So don't eat your uh, carbs naked, guys. <laughs> so I want to ask you. You know, this is one of the things. Like, it's kind of depressing to talk about this stuff. It's not fun, and people don't really want to talk about it. That's, that's why true. I think if we can make it sexy and cool with graphs and nice visuals and like a fun approach. Oh, your your page is, is is so sexy and so visually pleasing. Like the graphs and the mm-hmm. colors, and and you can put pictures of the foods and compare them. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about the graphs, actually, if you don't mind, because yeah, I'm thinking it. we need to simplify them a little bit. Really? In my opinion, they're, I mean, I am biased. Yeah, but you're a scientist. I'm a scientist, and that's, that's a problem. <laughs> but yeah. I love the way that they, that they look. Maybe you could do like two graphs. Maybe you could do like a simple one and a more scientific one. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you know, as a content creator, and, and when you start to develop your, and find your niche, like I wish that I can make the scientists that I look up to as happy as I can make 
the people, the general masses of people that I work with. Mm-hmm. I can't do them both justice, right? Yeah. Like I want to have the respect of these scientists and the respect of these people. But the truth is that, you know, you want to fulfill that idea that is in the air um, that's motivating you and show yes. you that, you know, you're there to do something specific. It's um, hard to bridge that gap because, I mean, they are polar opposites. Either you yeah. make content that people understand or you make content that takes all of the, you know, scientific requirements. Do people ever tell you that your, sci- that your content is too advanced? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I did, a, I did a poll on Instagram a few weeks ago and I asked, what do you guys think of the science level? For example, when I would describe a study in my stories, I always wondered, is the level too advanced? And 40% of people said it was totally fine. 55% of people said it was a bit too complicated. It's just split, you know? It's not my... The followers are not one big homogeneous mass. So they're all very different. Some people are scientists. Some people have no scientific background. So it's hard to strike that balance. And I just really want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can for the message to come across to as many people as possible. And actually, you know, the people with the least amount of science background are probably the ones that need it the most. Right. So I actually think I need to cater that group more and simplify things. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to try to it's really, uh, have more impact. And, you know, as the account grows, it's an amazing honor to have all these people that look at what I make. And so I really want to make sure that I'm doing my best and I'm never satisfied. And I always want to do more and better and improve. So just before our call, actually, I put out a story and I said, I asked people, what is the most confusing thing about the graphs that I post? And I'm really excited to get all the responses because then wow. based on that, I'm going to be able to you know, make updates. Um, wow. So far, if you want to hear a few. Um, yeah. So responses to my question, which was, what do you find the most confusing about the designs of my graphs? So some responses. Why does the color of the graph change when using the app versus the pics you post? Oh, that's because I have an app. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm going to make sure is that the app, the app graphs are the same as the Instagram graphs. Another person says, no problem with them. Somebody says, the green range is the same for everybody. Nothing. It's very easy to understand. What does the red mean? Nothing. They are not confusing. What does the red mean? Maybe put somewhere what the green means. So maybe the green and the red thing people don't get. Can you the red maybe part give is a bad. brief overview of what the colors mean? Yeah, absolutely. See? <laughs> Perfect. So when I started making the graphs, I thought I should probably show what the ideal glucose range is as defined by the National Institutes of Health. So it's between you know, 70 and 120 milligrams per deciliter. So that's the green range. Mm-hmm. And then the red range is the as the NIH puts it, the undesirable range. The thing is, like this range varies for a lot of people based on your ethnicity, your ideal range can be higher. The recommendations by the NIH, is that generalized? Like what was the, uh, what is that based off of? So they just give a very general recommendation. But then you speak to people like Peter Atia and he's like, you should always have your glucose under 100 milligrams per deciliter. And then you look at the genetics of South Asians and they're predisposed to higher fasting glucose levels. So their range is probably higher. This whole range thing is really difficult to deal right. with. So maybe that's one of the things I need to improve in my graphs. Either well, getting rid of that range because it's not that, not that useful. Decision, you know, it's uh-huh. maintaining, you're making this concept for, how long have you been making the concept for? A year and a half. You achieved 33,000 followers in a year and a half. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. With a lot of work. Like a no, lot of work, an absolutely. hour a day at least for the past year and a half. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm at 12,000, right? Congratulations. But, thank you. But, you know, it's every single day I'm working on it. Now I'm super busy with the grad program and everything else that I'm doing. But, 
you know, I think it's so important because my mission is so real to me and I get to see the impact. I get to measure my own impact through social media as well. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure to work with everyone that I work with. It helps That's me. awesome. Yeah. And so, I remember when I reached, I'm sure you remember this too, like when I reached a thousand followers. I think I started following you. You had a couple, just a couple thousand maybe. I don't know if I was wow. a thousand. Oh, gee. Yeah. No, nice I'm one. You should get a t-shirt or something. You have a t-shirt? No, but I should make one. <laughs> oh, you should totally make a t-shirt. I'd wear your t-shirts. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nice. Maybe you should make one for my first like 3,000 followers or something. That'd be so fun. Yeah. I can't I've, wait to make 3, swag. 3,000 t-shirts? Well, not everybody would claim them, I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping I would hope that 3,000 people all get them. Oh gosh. I really want to make apple fast. cider vinegar too. You know, I want to make like a concoction of apple cider vinegar with some other glucose lowering supplements. There's so many things I want to do. Uh, one of my last few questions for you was actually where you plan on taking your content and your brand because beyond like describing, you know, what it is you do and what you measure and in your content, like at the end of the day, you're an entrepreneur, you're a content creator mm-hmm. and and you plan on on doing something bigger with this. And I know that a lot mm-hmm. of things you can't reveal, but do you feel like this is something that you want to dedicate your life to? Like uh, 100%. Okay. This is one of my life's purposes for sure. Right. And that's become very clear. I would love for a billion people to know about their glucose levels. That's probably my goal. A billion people know about this. And why? Because it helps people feel better, be healthier, have a more fulfilled life. They're happier. They're able to you know, be with the people they love more. They're pain-free. I just want to help. And I think it's really valuable content. And to go one, one level lower than that, I'm hoping to create the biggest community and you know the biggest brand in glucose-related nutrition something. I don't know. I want to, I'm just going to keep going. And it's not me, you know, it's like all the people that are followers of the account. At this point, it's, it's really not about me and my ego is not in it. And it's every single follower, every single person that shares this content with their mom, their aunt, their sister, their best friend, and that see that this content helps them feel better and live a more fulfilled life. That's the reason they do it. And that's the reason we need to keep pushing for this and we need to keep sharing. It's spreading joy and it's spreading health. You know, and I just want to make sure that I make a machine that is as well oiled as possible so that as many people as possible can share this and learn about their bodies. Wow. Beautiful. Um, the truth of the matter is that your page is going to explode. And it's not just the content, but I think that the way that you maintain yourself and your attitude and your ego is, you can just tell. Looking at your smile and your pictures, it's so genuine. And I think that that's really what takes people and their intentions to the next level and will really get that page to explode for the right reasons. Yeah. As you start to get some of this, you know, some of these followers and these numbers and things are coming in, you may be making money. It's very easy to to lose touch with some of your values and intentions. You know, when I got into this field, when I realized how amazing glucose monitoring was and when I read all the science and I was like, holy shit, like people need to know about this. I went, I I was living in San Francisco and I went to all of the other startups in this space because there were a few. And I met with every one of them and they were all doing really amazing stuff, but I didn't feel like there was a particular perfect role for me at these startups because I wanted to, I had a really clear vision, you know, for like the content and the brand. And so I hope I get to work with these people in the future, but I thought, okay, I think I have to do something on my own. But my point here is I never thought, oh, I want to be a CEO and have my own company. Like I decided to do that. It was honestly a plan C. Like I was hoping to find the perfect match with a team that was already working and to be able to contribute my unique sauce. But going out on my own and doing this alone, now with two other amazing people too, 
it came up naturally. It was like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it because I wanted to be this important person. I did it because that was the only way to get the message across. You describing that story, it brings me back to why I first started doing what I'm doing. And it's because I would literally sit in some of my physiology classes and I would learn things about the human body, about nutrition. And I would have this like eureka moment and I'd be like, oh my God, like I'd look around the class and I'd be like, are you guys seeing this? Like everyone should know. I can't believe that I had to pay tuition and, and go to this class and sit here to learn this about my body. Because now as of today, my behavior, my lifestyle, my habits will change. Mm. so it was like this eureka moment like oh my god people need to know this and that's mm-hmm. why i started doing what i do so i i completely and it gives back tenfold right when you share this information oh, like Absolutely. the joy you get back and the the, the sense of purpose is just is nothing then, nothing more important yeah and then you know maintaining those values maintaining those intentions uh, and being consistent with the content like people have reached out to me for opportunities business opportunities and all kinds of incredibly rewarding opportunities have just come up out of thin air, it seems, because I'm doing this, you know, and it's like the perfect thing for, it's always like the perfect thing because the way that social media works, you have the algorithms, the hashtags, the locations, the, mm-hmm. all of that, you start to find your, your niche and mm-hmm. these other teams of people and, and individuals start to approach you. Um, they see what you're good at. They see what you love to do and they go, Hey, you're perfect for this, perfect for that. And then your network is just, it can explode. I agree. And I think one of the things that I'm really believe, and this has been a recent discovery of mine, I think that when you follow what makes you light up, you know, you're talking about the eureka moment you had in class. When you follow that, that feeling of like, oh my God, I need to tell people about this. When that's what you spend your time on and that's what you go after, naturally you align yourself with your purpose and then things kind of happen. You mm-hmm. know, if you, if you keep at it and you keep bringing the passion and the joy and the energy to it, as you said, like you're going to get people messaging you for opportunities. You're going to meet, you're going to network and amazing stuff is going to happen because you went after this thing that was lighting up your soul. My little brother is 12 and he's very wise for his age. And I asked him once, what is the purpose of life? And he said, it's to do what makes your soul light up. Wow. I was like, damn kid. I you are said that at 12 years old. I know. I was like, uh, the purpose of life is to eat candy. <laughs> But we're lucky to have found what makes our soul light up. And I think before I found it, my purpose was to find it. Now that I found it, my purpose is to just put my energy towards that. Maintain it and, and yeah. feed it and grow it. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's hard, you know, for sure. It's, it's hard. It's going to have its, its boundaries and pitfalls. And, and there's going to be a lot of difficulty along the way. But I think that you understand and you see the difference and you see how rewarding it is and you know, no matter what happens, I know that I'm going to maintain this purpose, this intention. I don't care what comes along the way. I know that every obstacle is just an opportunity to learn. And it's an opportunity mm-hmm. to see what you're good at. What else do you need to do to fix and correct that course and continue doing what you love? And I think the most difficult thing for me ever in my life was trying to really not just identify that purpose, but having the courage to pursue that. Because I think that in, in, in society, a lot of people just want that comfort of doing like, like having a job and having that, that stability and just doing what they think that they're supposed to do. But when you mm-hmm. really look deep within, find out who you are, what you love to do, having the curiosity mm-hmm. to get to know yourself and then having the courage to be yourself and then being something incredible because all these opportunities mm-hmm. begin to line up and fulfill that. It's just like the most positive and most incredible loop ever. It is, um, but it's also okay to not do it. You know, 
we're all different. And I wish for everybody to find their, what makes their soul light up as my brother says, and go after that. Because really, I think that's kind of our mission on this planet is to find that out and go after it. And you and I are really lucky that we have found it, but it's also okay to do something else. Yeah, no, it's a a privilege, you know, for us. But the truth is, I know people that have that stability and and the truth is that they're they're very happy. So it's it's not for everybody. What what the hell do we know? I mean, what the hell do we yeah. know? <laughs> How old are you? If you don't if you don't mind me asking, I'm 28. Okay, yeah. So we're we're. How old did you think I was? Like 45. No. <laughs> no but really not. well conserved because my glucose levels are so flat. <laughs> oh my god! No, I thought you were maybe like between 25 and and 30. Yeah, I'm 23. I'm, nice. I'm a baby. But yeah, what do we know? But what I know is that. You know, you have done this now for, for a year and a half and, and, mm-hmm. and you've built such incredible momentum. It makes you so happy. And it's something that, believe me, I, I know that it's just me saying this to you, but I don't think there's anyone that looks at your page and goes, wow, like this, she's doing what she loves. Like it's, it's just so mm-hmm. clear and it's a beautiful That's thing. Awesome. You know, keep doing it. You inspire more people. I think that the reason why I started off this podcast asking you why you do what you do is because I think that... Mm-hmm more people will identify with that and be motivated and inspired by that than what it is you actually do. Like you are doing what you love and you're fulfilling this purpose. And I think that's more inspiring than it doesn't matter what you do. It's, it's why you do it. You know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's, really, that's that I, really true. Yeah. that's something that I've sort of learned from some of my mentors and, and I don't know if you know, Simon Sinek, he has a book called start with mm-hmm. why, but there's also a Ted talk. Oh yes, of course. Of course, of course. Of course. If for anyone tuning in and if you haven't watched it, Go on YouTube and watch the Golden Circle TED Talk by Simon Sinek. That's helped me, my brand, everything so much. You've watched it? Yes, I have. Oh, but I should watch it again. I'm gonna go watch it again. I watch it like every month or so. But yeah, so it's, it's I think it's why, and I think that it's it's wonderful that you have such a deep why, and you can see it in your smile and the way that you make your content, and I think that inspired that alone inspires more people than you can imagine. That warms my heart so much that you say that. There's nothing I can dream of more than inspiring people to do what they love. I mean, gosh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to make me cry. (laughs) You know, I I think you can actually measure your glucose right from your tears. It's like, (laughs) I'm being so serious. Like, I'm being so serious. Yes, I believe there was a project at Google, if I'm not mistaken, or Verily. Yeah, Verily. I think they were doing a contact lens that measured glucose levels. I think you're totally right. I think it stopped though. Yeah. But yeah. There's actually a girl that I went to high school with. She must have been a sophomore or junior. She was younger than me. And she had like, her parents were, were diabetics and she came up with like a contact solution kind of thing, like, a, like an actual like contact lens, but it could track the glucose and it was going to be FDA approved. I don't know where she is now. She's brilliant. Wow. I don't know maybe she's she like sold a, a patent to Google. Maybe she, maybe she, she was the origin she of it. Very well could have. Like she presented it for the class and nobody even knew what to say. I sort of feel like you and I are sometimes in that position where like you're presenting such great stuff and it's all scientific, but sometimes it's a little too far away from the audience and they don't understand it. Like that's how I felt. And it was just incredible. But anything else that you want to share with this beautiful audience, Jesse? Yeah. I think, you know, our bodies are these amazing things. And I hope that you take some time today, whoever you are, to just sit down on your own with no social media or nothing and just kind of like look at your body and listen to it. Maybe close your eyes and feel it and, you know, ask it to tell you what it needs. Our bodies are so wise. And yes, wearing a glucose monitor is going to help you communicate with it more and get some insight from within. 
but we we can feel things if we train ourselves. Our bodies are talking to us all the time. We just have to learn how to listen. I love that. Well, Jesse, it was such a pleasure to have you on. Same. Thank you so uh, much. Yeah, I'm going to get you that t-shirt. Oh, really? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I love how this flow went. It's such a pleasure to have you on. And, and I'm sure that in the future, you know, we'll do a lot of more content together. Awesome. Thank you. Love to. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us. Uh, if you guys tuning in want to check out Jessie, her Instagram is Glucose Goddess. Awesome username. Her website is sugarmama.ai. Yeah. Else people can find you or contact you. I don't know. I mean, Instagram is the right place. And just a funny story. Before I named it Glucose Goddess, it was just my name, Jesse Introspe. I have a really complicated French last name. Your last name, Introspe. Introspe, yeah. But even French people don't know how to pronounce it. So don't feel bad. And I was in a taxi with my mom and my sister. And I was like, guys, my Instagram is just too complicated. So we thought, okay, we need to find something that rhymes with glucose. And my mom said, goddess. And just instantly I knew. I was like, yay. It's, it's a little out there and it's not very humble, but it sticks. And now no, people no, remember it. You are humble. You're doing it right. It's awesome. I think it's a great name. Thank you. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's a great Instagram name. <laughs> thank you. So All right. Well, Jesse, thank you so, so much. See you guys very, very soon. Thank you for tuning in. Stay healthy. Know your physio. So that's all for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you so much, Jesse, for your time and for sharing all of this incredibly valuable material with us. I'm looking forward to having you back on the show in a near future. And you guys can learn more about Jesse and find her online at Glucose Goddess. Also, you can expect more episodes of Know Your Physio every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. So I'll see you on the next one and hope you have a lovely, lovely rest of your day. Much love.